0: To your neighbor and tell your neighbor, I'm glad I got to go to church with you at first church today. Come on, look at all of you. You're beautiful. I want to reiterate uh, what Raylene said just a moment ago. Yesterday, we did a couple of projects at Mounds Public. We um, had a, a great group that uh, worked flower beds going into the high school and weeded those out, and we put 52. Uh, bags of mulch in those beds that that go into the high school and run along the the front face of the high school. And then we also, uh, in the middle school, they've moved a teacher's lounge into a room that was used uh, by, I believe, the nurse for uh, years, but um, they've repurposed that room. And we went in there and um, cleaned that room out for them and painted the walls and got that room ready uh, for decorations. And we have decorations there. As a matter of fact, pastors uh, Trent and Hannah are going back, I think, with some help to um, go ahead and church purchase decorations for the walls in that room to make that uh, teacher's lounge really nice for them. And um, we couldn't hang the decorations yesterday. We didn't want them to stick to the wall with the paint uh, needing to cure. So I did a couple of great projects. We spent about three and a half hours as a team up there, there was a great representation of our church there and uh, knocked out a couple of huge projects really in three hours, which is just amazing, and um, blessing them, and and uh, we're just excited that we were able to do that and we're able to serve our community, and that's very, very important to us that we give back, and so... Uh, thank you from the bottom of our heart again for all of you that were out there and participated and and next year we'll we 'll do something else. Um, we may go back to mounds uh, or we may we may um, go to another one of the surrounding communities in our area, but we will participate this is an annual event that the grow network churches participate in uh, serve day and so that 's really awesome because i mean we got we got the chance to whether we knew it or not we got the chance to join with a whole bunch of other um believers and serve the communities and so um that's just really awesome i do want to plug and this is very important for you guys because it's a little bit of a sacrifice i understand you come to first church and um it's not really feasible for us to do a lunch um after first church i mean we're still kind of just off breakfast is still kind of in breakfast mode um but, uh, so after Second Church, we do our Neighbors and Nations Luncheon, and this is a missions-raising effort. I like to say it like this, you make a donation and you get a free meal. That's kind of the way I, I like to view that. And even if you're not planning on coming back, we'd love for you to come back, because we got a ton, of, a ton of food, I mean a lot, a lot of food. And we really, uh, I just talked with Karen before service, and she made the comment that she didn't know the... the the chicken pieces were so large, and so they, her and Dave came up uh, Friday night, I believe it was, and they, they they stayed here till after midnight getting the chicken, um, the spices and stuff on the chicken and stuff, and we have a lot of food, and so if you want to come back, we would love for you to come back and have lunch with us. Um, that lunch will start about 12.15, in between 12.15 and 12.30 is, um, is the time frame for that but um, even if you, if you know you can't and you want to go ahead and make a donation toward neighbors and nations, we were able to do serve day yesterday because of the money we raise in these luncheons. We were able to buy those things, and, um, and it not come out of our normal operating expenses, but it's a special fund that we have this money set aside to do local and international missions endeavors. And so whether we realize it or not, going to Mounds Public School... And weeding out the uh, flower beds and and putting mulch in the flower beds and painting that room for the teachers. That's a missions effort. That's a missions into our community, and that's what neighbors and nations is all about. And so, very important. Um, you can stop by the table in the foyer and and take care of all of that, or just see us out there at the lunch about twelve fifteen to twelve thirty, and um, and we'll just have a great time of not only eating but also fellowshipping with each other. Amen. We have been. In a tremendous series that we called Summer School, and uh, that you know that title might be a little scary for some folks, but I think it's a great idea. I think it's a great thing for us to take some time during the summer uh, weeks and just discuss some things that perhaps we don't normally work into a, another series. Uh, to me, it's it's good stuff to know. It's stuff we should know um, as as believers. And just in living uh, our lives, I think that information, they say, is what? Power. And, you know, when we have pertinent information, important information, uh, I believe that's even more powerful. I think there's some information. Uh, we live in information overload. Can you say? Yeah, you agree with me there. You know, with the Internet, I think we're... we're um, we're the most informed people, whether it's good information or bad information. I believe we are the most informed generations that have ever lived. And I don't see that changing. Uh, you know, I mean, you would have to completely go off the grid. The entire world would have to go off the grid in order for this information overload to, to, to change. But the reality of our world is that uh, we're just inundated with, with media. We're inundated with um, the internet and and all of the information that rolls through. We're in, inundated for a lot of times. Uh, we're inundated with social media and all of these things. Just poor information. And not all that information is good information. Matter of fact, there are some things that we probably should pray about unknowing. You know, I just wish I, I didn't know that. Uh, you know, I just wish I could unknow some things. But... um you know, that's probably not going to happen. So the reality of it is is that we have to make sure we are connoisseurs of good information, good stuff to know. And today in our summer school session, I want to take just a few minutes and kind of uh, deal with the subject that I don't know if I have ever dealt specifically with this subject in um, a corporate setting. I have dealt with this subject in a classroom setting that we've done different... Um, classes and small group classes and things like that, that I've that I've dealt with this subject. But um don't know if I've ever actually brought this to the corporate setting. So I'm really personally excited about that today. That you know we're able to to share this information with a larger group of people rather than just just a small group of people. And 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 this is probably very important because I believe that we as believers are striving in our lives, to be disciples. I mean, we think about that word, disciple, and and I know a lot of times that connotation is, well, we just go back to the original 12. That, well, we know who the disciples are. But in fact, when you understand the teachings of Jesus, you recognize that every believer is supposed to become a disciple. That that being a disciple isn't just this... um, small group of people that we read about in the New Testament and and you know Jesus called his disciples but then we're going to examine that that Jesus not only called his disciples but he commanded his disciples to reproduce themselves and to make other disciples. And so the idea of disciple and and Understand this, you know, the word disciple and the word discipline come from the same root word. And so to, to understand a disciple is someone who has disciplined themselves to, to learn and, and, and walk in and to obey the, the teachings of Jesus, the one with whom we are being discipled ultimately by. Certainly the one to whom we are disciples of you know I mean today we're not disciples of triumph. We may be members of a church, but we're not disciples of triumph. You're not certainly disciples of of Rob, that would that would not be good. I mean, you get people that do stuff like that, you end up like going and drinking Kool-Aid in the jungle. You know what I'm saying? And so and so that's not that's not good to be a disciple of of a preacher in that, in that regard, we are disciples of Christ. We are Christ's disciples. And so I think it's important for us to examine what a disciple is. If this is what we're supposed to be, then give us some clue as to what it even looks like. If I'm supposed to be a disciple, I don't, I don't even know what, what that looks like. And, 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 so, and so we're going to try to pull the curtain back on that just for a few minutes. I can't give everything... But, but I'm going I'm to draw our attention to Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to look at this original call to discipleship, and then we're going to unpack uh, what this verse specifically states about being a disciple and what a disciple is. So Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers. Simon called Peter, Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. So here's just a couple of regular dudes, right? Nothing really special about them other than the fact that Jesus walked up to them and must have seen some quality, must have recognized some thing going on in their lives that that they were in fact qualified to be his disciples. And, And then he said to them, follow me. For I will make you fishers of men. And this is the amazing part. In verse 20, they immediately left their nets and followed him. Now, if you look at the historical record, and sometimes it's murky in the way that the scriptures are written, you would understand that, that this this was more than likely not the only time or the first time that they had ever been in the presence of Jesus. So, I mean, a lot of times people will preach that and they'll go, man, they just immediately, you know... Uh, They had never even seen Jesus or heard of Jesus, and and in fact, it's very possible that they had, in fact, encountered the Lord before, and now this was another encounter where Jesus specifically calls them into this thing called discipleship. When we look at these verses in this original call to disciples, the definition of, of disciple can be found in the invitation, All right? Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Here we find that a disciple is one who knows and follows Christ. All right? So you can't be a Christ disciple if you don't know and follow him. Is anybody in the house today? All right, just making sure. And then, secondly, a disciple is one who is being changed by Christ. That as a disciple, something should be going on in our lives that, that, that it, can, it can register that this discipleship, this relationship with Christ, this thing that I've got going on with the Lord is producing something in me that I, that I didn't have before or that I wasn't able to example before. And then thirdly, a disciple is one who is committed to the mission of Christ. See, I mean, I think this is an important concept that, that, we, that we recognize that when we are saved, that initial experience of salvation is not the end all. That when we give our heart to Christ, it's more like a birth certificate than it is a graduation diploma. And our experience with Christ should be an experience that is a progressing experience. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I think Peter stressed it this way in 2 Peter 3.18. But grow. Everybody say grow. I mean that's a process, right? But grow in the grace and Knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. But grow. This idea of spiritual growth. This idea of personal growth. That, that that something's not right. If as a baby in Christ, if you would allow me to say that. That something's not right in that experience. If through time there isn't some measure of maturity and growth that is taking place in the life of that disciple. That, that God has not called us to be disciples who stay in the crib. That God has not called us to be disciples who continue to drink from a bottle. Matter of fact, the apostle scolded a group of church members slash disciples and said, I would and I should be able to give you meat by now, but, you're, but you're, still, you're still on milk. I can't give you a heavier diet because you have not matured in your Christianity to the point where you can receive a heavier diet. Now if that happens in the natural, we would be alarmed. If that happened in the natural realm, if a child were to be born and not develop, then we would recognize that, that something is amiss. In, in in this particular circumstance. So so what is in the natural, and certainly I think it's important because Jesus himself to Nicodemus declared that spiritual birth is much like physical birth. It's much like natural birth, that you're born of the water, you're born of the flesh, and then you are born of the spirit. And so and so Jesus even compared natural birth with spiritual birth and Therefore, natural maturity and spiritual maturity should have some semblance of each other. That if you get saved and you stay exactly where you are, then something is amiss. Something's not right and, and, and there should be some alarm that, that should go off inside to say, Man, I need to, I need to grow in the grace. I need to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that's not just head knowledge. I believe that's heart knowledge. It's experiential knowledge that that every aspect of my walk with God should over time be progressing into something more dynamic than what I was before. I think this is an important point for me as a a lead pastor of this church because years ago we we were looking at 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 how our church would would be viewed and especially just in how we would operate and things that we would do and, and and some churches consider themselves birthing churches they they, they they're just kind of a they, they say this emphatically they say well we're just we 're the kind of church that 's the starting point for people 's Christianity, but if you want to mature. You, then after about three years, you will transition out of our church and you will go to another church that is more discipling. And, and those churches, you know, the, the sermons are, will probably be a little deeper than ours. And, and the emphasis of the worship will probably be a little more spiritual than ours. And so you kind of have this dichotomy of church ideas in our generation. You didn't have this 20 years ago. This is kind of a new thing. You know? And I mean I got to thinking about that as a pastor here, and I got to think about our vision and everything that we're striving to do. And and it and it really dawned on me that I really believe that the church should not just be a birthing center, it should be a discipling center. That something's wrong when you pick one over the other. I think it is absolutely important for us to create an environment where brand new people who know absolutely nothing about Christ can come in and feel comfortable to know him. To to become disciples, and so there are certain things that we do here that 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 mirrored that we try to shape our worship experiences. We try to we try to shape the things that we do in such a way as to not be offensive to someone who doesn't absolutely know what's going on. That 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 can be a little more understandable to someone who has absolutely no idea what's going on. And so I want us to be a birthing church. I want us to be a a front door into Christianity kind of church, right? But I believe it's important for us to also be the kind of church that can take that individual and walk them through year after year after year of their life and there be a maturity that comes in their walk with God as a result of their interaction here at our church. And so sometimes we preach theological sermons just like I'm doing today. Sometimes, you know, we preach... Sermons that are more just self-help sermons. And those are great sermons for people who are really getting an introduction to the church to be able to come in and hear a message that is very relevant to their life and where they are right in that moment. And sometimes we preach very biblical sermons where we expound on scriptures. And we do that and, and, and we also have small groups that go deeper into teaching. And, and these small groups are very important in the discipling process in people's lives, is this, is this like way too... everybody get what I'm saying? And so I think it's important for the church to not just be a birthing church. I think it's important for the church to also recognize we have a responsibility to make disciples. We have that responsibility. It's extremely important. So if we're going to make disciples, let's... let's um, Let's go down through the list quickly. One plus one today in our summer school session equals a disciple is one who knows and follows Christ. So I mean, this first part of the definition is an invitation to follow Jesus. And this is so intricately intricately tied to what Christ really came to do. Because I think a lot of times people think, well... Uh, to follow Christ, to know and follow Christ, means that I've given my heart to Him. That I've, that I've prayed the sinner's prayer. That, I've, that I have confessed with my mouth that Jesus Lord. That I've believed in my heart that God raised Christ from the dead. And because of that, I am now a follower of Christ. And, yeah, well, that's where it starts. That is where it starts. I mean, you've got to have a starting point, Right? And so it's a very easy, very clear-cut starting point. But yet when we read Acts chapter 2, verse 36, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And some translations say, Lord and Christ. I mean, Lord here comes from the word kurios, which means supreme in authority or controller. The word Messiah here comes from the Greek word Christos, which is also translated Christ. It means the anointed, the anointed, or Messiah. And so we can see where some might say Messiah and some may say Christ, and both are right because they mean the same thing. But I think what we need to focus on is the fact that a whole lot of people want Messiah, but they don't want Lord. A whole lot of people want the anointed in their life, but they don't want the controller. Come on, somebody. (laughs) They they want want Christ, but they don't want supreme in authority. And, and, And this is declaring to us that if we are truly a follower of Christ, we not only confess Him as our Lord and accept the free gift of salvation that comes by grace, but we also, in our lives, have the willingness to say, Jesus be the Lord of all, and if I am truly going to be a follower of Christ, then I have to come under his authority. All right? I'm thankful we have the Holy Spirit to help us in this. I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit brings gifts that help us in this, the Holy Spirit brings fruit that helps us in this. We're not alone. But I think it's important for us to recognize the fact that when we give our hearts to Christ and declare ourselves to know and follow him, that we are indeed submitting to the authority of Christ in our lives. He is not only our Savior, He is our authority. As a matter of fact, before Jesus gave the more famous verses, called the great commission he said this in Matthew 28:19 Jesus came to them and said all authority all authority in heaven and on earth spiritual and physical all authority has been given to me Jesus has been given all authority. And when we become followers of him, we understand and recognize that all authority doesn't mean 90%. All authority doesn't mean 50%. That's 100%. So, 1 plus 1 equals we have to know and follow Christ. And in knowing and following him, we confess him in salvation and we submit to him in process. Thank God there's a process. Two plus two equals a disciple is one who is being changed by Christ. Can I say that the obedience, that getting under the authority in in, in one plus one, brings us to the place where we can understand the two plus two, that, that obedience produces change. Part of the definition of being a disciple focuses on the changed nature that comes with serving the Lord. That Christ transforms us into a new person as we follow him as a disciple. Romans chapter 12, Ryder wrote this in verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. The only way for us to demonstrate the will of God in our lives is for us to be transformed by Him. But somehow another, there is a life transformation that is taking place in our hearts and in our minds. Romans 8, 28 says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So it's talking about disciples, that we know that in all things God works for the good of those who are his disciples. But then it says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many of brothers and sisters, that there is a conforming to Christ that takes place in the life of the disciples. I mean, at some point, we just start looking more like him. I mean, this can be said of the early disciples when Jesus had already ascended into heaven and they were were walking in the first few weeks and months of their ministry in the church. They called them in before the elders and ultimately they said, we understand that they are ignorant and unlearned fishermen, but we perceive they have been with Christ. They've been with Jesus. We perceive, we can smell Jesus on them. We can see Jesus in their actions. We can hear Jesus in their words. They have been conformed. I think it's much like raising children. It's funny to me. I, it, it's, not, it's not unusual for children to begin to take on the attributes of the parents. I mean, sometimes it is so evident it's almost spooky. People used to say that we didn't birthed Baylor. We, we cloned him. Begin to take on certain attributes. People oftentimes talk about Boston and talk about how that he has that Stacy look and looks so much like his mom's side of the family. And think, man, why why does he talk that way? Well, how do you talk? Why does he act like that? Well, how do you act? This is, I believe, a perfect idea of what it means to be conformed into the image of Christ. That you and I get to know him so well that people could actually say, I perceive you have been with Jesus. Just something about the way you handled that situation that was awful Jesus-like. Just something about the way. Hmm. Three plus three. A disciple is one who is being, who is rather committed to the mission of Christ. A disciple is one who is committed to the mission of Christ. Now, here's the thing that I think a lot of folks miss in their Christianity. They miss this in, in their in their discipleship. Is that we weren't called into the kingdom of God to just sit on zero. That when we truly are a disciple, we will not only follow him and and become a person under his authority. We will not only be conformed to look like him in a process of time. But this third thing about the mission... Let's start thinking about the mission. What, what is the mission of Christ? Well, let's go back to the Great Commission that, that we started out with that authority thing. But in Matthew 28, 19, it says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus said, if you'll do this, I'm not even, uh, there's not even a chance I'm not going to walk with you. and you're gonna, I'm going to be a part of this process, but this is what I'm calling you to do. This is my mission. Go multiply yourself. Go find someone who is not a disciple. Go find someone who is not a believer and multiply yourselves. I think very clearly we see that disciples make disciples, and in that original definition, he looked at them and said that I will make you fishers of men, and he was speaking to fishermen, so it made it made sense. It made sense to them, and, and this is really what I want to tell you today: that disciples fish, followers of Jesus fish, but not for not. I mean, we sometimes fish for real fish, but but there is an expectation in discipleship that we will become people who fish for other people. You say, man, pastor, wait a minute now. I ain't one of them Bible-thumping people, you know. I mean, I can't go to witnessing because I don't know how to witness because, I mean, I'm just scared to death of witnessing because I'm afraid that they'll ask me where the dinosaurs went, and I have no answer to that. You know what the greatest witness is? I mean, the gospel is really kind of wrapped up. the The, the gospel is wrapped up in a, in in in, a, in 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 one primary thing about what Christ did for us: that Christ died, that He was buried, that He rose again, and that He was seen alive and well. And so, anyone can tell someone that. What about your Jesus? Well, my Jesus, He He died for us, and and they buried Him, but He come out of that grave alive, and He was seen by innumerable amount of witnesses and and he is indeed alive okay, so that's not hard that's not hard to share the gospel but the second part to me of the gospel of the good news is this that not only do you share what Jesus did for all, you share what Jesus did for you how many of you have a story to tell has, has God did anything for you Has God touched your life in any way that that is meaningful? Of course He has. The greatest witness that we will ever really have is to our own story. You know what? I know you might have heard a lot of stuff about Him, but I will tell you this. He's been awful good to me. You know what I'm saying? And you ought to try Him. There's just something about about being a, a part of the church. There's just something about being a part of what of what God is doing, and you just tell your story. See, because the reality of it is, is that we as disciples are commanded to reproduce ourselves. Matter of fact, the whole mission of Christ, Luke 19, 9 and 10 says, Jesus said, "Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came not to seek. Rather, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost the lost. He came for the lost. Say, Pastor, where do I start on that? Be kind, be generous as you stand with me today. Today we have examined what I feel like is one of the most important subjects we can talk about in summer school. What does it mean to be a disciple? And I hope that I've given you something today that you can Wrap your arms around your head around, and some another through the course of this week that you can begin to contemplate some of the things that I've said. Certainly, about how how is your following going? How how is the making you part going in your life? Is he is he are you in process? Is he making something in you? How is the mission side of the of the call going in your life? You say, well, I, I need to back up and do this first. Well, that's okay. It's fine, no condemnation. It's just a part of the process. Something that we should consider. Can I pray for us? Father, I thank you right now for your word. I thank you for the truth that has been imparted into every one of our lives. And I am speaking today over this people that you would give us strength, that you would help us, that you would that you would anoint us to be everything that you have called us to be. I pray today that if there's somebody on the sound of my voice that has yet to commit their heart to Christ, that in just a few seconds I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them an opportunity for a fresh start. And, and I just pray that you would soften their heart right now to make that step even today. Jesus, I thank you for helping us in process. I thank you for ministering to our hearts today that that there's a plan that you have in place for us to truly be disciples. We'll give you the praise for that in Jesus' name. If you'll keep your heads bowed just for a second. If you were here in the house and you're one of those people that I just prayed for that needs to fresh start, you just need to commit or recommit your heart to Christ and you would like for us to pray with you, would you just slip a hand in the air right now and give me that opportunity to pray with you? I'm not going to call you forward or call you out. I'm just going to have everybody pray. In Jesus' name. Okay, everybody's comfortable with where you're at. If you're comfortable, I'm comfortable. In Jesus' name, praise God. Okay, you can look at me again. There are three ways that we...